Donald Trump will be arrested tomorrow. He will surrender in New York City. He will appear in court, presumably to enter a plea of not guilty, at which point he is expected to leave New York City, fly back to Florida and hold what will certainly be an unhinged press conference at Mar-a-Lago shortly after 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be covering all of it live. We will be live tomorrow with the arraignment and we will be live tomorrow with the press conference. That is essentially all I can tell you at this time, because there are so many unknowns at this point. One of those unknowns is whether the arraignment will be televised. I'm going to separate that question out just for a moment because it's really its own question. And we will talk a little bit about what is to be expected tomorrow. The latest news is that Trump will fly from Florida to New York today, Monday. And even though the arraignment is scheduled for 215 tomorrow, there are reports that Trump will be at the courthouse early in the morning. Why isn't exactly clear? Certainly fingerprints potentially a mugshot, not expected to be handcuffed based on everything we know right now. But that doesn't take that long. Is it because of security considerations? Well, maybe there's a, a numerous reports that New York plans to close key streets for Trump's arraignment. Patricia Hurtado from Bloomberg News reporting that and that the entire area surrounding the Manhattan courthouse is going to be clo closed down to vehicle traffic. It is also known that there are uh, tunnels and different ways to get to the main courthouse building from surrounding buildings. And for security reasons, presumably Donald Trump may be brought in through some kind of securitist path. It's not exactly completely clear. We continue to learn more about what are the charges. Initially, we didn't know. Then we knew that the number was over 30. More recently, it's it's sort of uh, uh, focused in on the number 34 questions about is it all misdemeanors? The latest report from CBS News is that there are felony charges here. So not only charges against Trump, not only nearly three dozen charges against Trump in this one of three or four major criminal investigations, but felony charges as well. At least one of them, CBS News reporting former President Donald Trump faces a felony charge. A source told CBS News Saturday, a person familiar with the matter said to CBS News, Trump is being charged with falsifying business records in the first degree, which is a felony in New York state. Now, immediately the law and order people coming out and saying it shouldn't be a felony. This is part of the problem. Screw that. Well, if you're for law and order right now, that's a felony. And if you are not above the law, if we have justice, then everyone, regardless of their position, job, wealth or uh, uh, situation of power, would be subject to that law. But how quickly the law and order people change their tune when it is all of a sudden inconvenient. There were concerns about violent protests as a result of Trumpists showing up here or there. Now, I don't believe we are yet out of the woods because there is a protest planned tomorrow at noon in New York City involving repugnant and radical reactionary Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. We will talk about that separately. But the good news so far is that the protests we've seen at Trump Tower in New York City and at Mar-a-Lago have been pathetic. 
um, uh, report from Bloomberg News is that at Mar-a-Lago, few show up to protest Trump's indictment. There were a dozen, maybe two dozen people quite pathetic. And honestly, I'm glad I'm glad I don't want there to be violence. And there was some video from New York City where I think there was one pro or one. It's not even a protest. It's sort of like a, a show of support at uh, Trump Tower where there were one or two people, not one or two dozen, one or two people, which is absolutely hilarious. Now, many of you have started to write to me and said, David, you know, we, we know you're going to be away in a little bit. Are you what's the timeline of this Trump thing? Are you going to be around to cover it? The expectation is that number one, these things don't move that quickly. And number two, you always want to delay, delay, delay as much as you can. There's an interesting article called Donald Trump's time tested legal strategy, attack and delay. This article from DNYUZ says these two tactics have been at the center of Donald Trump's favored strategy in court cases for much of his adult life and will likely be the former president's approach to fighting the criminal charges now leveled against him. You want to delay as much as possible, and many attorneys will tell you there are a whole bunch of reasons for this. You can delay with the hopes that those in charge of prosecuting the case get frustrated, change jobs, whatever. You can delay and delay and delay with the hopes that witnesses forget their testimony or they die or whatever the case may be. It is often said by attorneys in many different areas of criminal law, the longer you can delay actually adjudicating a case, the better. And so none of listen, the fact that I'll be away next week shouldn't at all impact my ability to cover this because we could be talking about months, if not if not years potentially here. And that is certainly to be expected. Uh, I am not aware in terms of the defense that this is all political, that this is all a witch hunt, that these are merely political decisions rather than legal decisions. This is one of the main defenses we've heard from people around Donald Trump. I can't think of anyone that has used the demand of political investigations more than Donald Trump. When Trump and, and his political allies say investigate Hillary, lock up Hillary, lock up Hunter, charge Joe Biden, et cetera, et cetera, absent any reason to do so, it is they who have demanded the political prosecution of their opponents. And Trump is at the top of that. So every time we hear this is all Alvin Bragg, Soros politics, this, that, the other thing. Don't let your eye come away from the ball. And the ball is all along. Trump has been at the top of the list of those who demand the political prosecution of his opponents. Let's now talk about the potential gag order and the potential for Donald Trump to be rearrested. Criminal defense lawyer wrote to me over the weekend, tears in his eyes. I could tell, even though it was an email, that the guy was crying as he wrote to me. And he said, David, listen, I'm a criminal defense attorney. Where Trump can get himself into real trouble here is if he has a gag order placed on him at tomorrow's arraignment, he may not be able to resist talking about the case. And that would be considered a bond violation and it could get Trump rearrested. The latest news is that a gag order is, quote, extremely likely at tomorrow's arraignment. And Donald Trump has scheduled a press conference for tomorrow evening. OK, so this has this is a secondary story which has the potential to completely explode into a very different sort of situation than this 
coordinated, very dignified arrest that is taking place tomorrow in New York City. Business Insider reports. Let's go through it piece by piece. A gag order for Donald Trump is extremely likely once he's before a judge, legal expert says. Donald Trump can't seem to stop talking about his indictment, but he may have to soon. It's extremely likely he'll be put under gag order, one expert said. Punishment in New York for criminal contempt could be a $1,000 fine or 30 days in jail. Such a gag order would say to Trump and others involved in the case, do not speak publicly about the case. And yet, an announcement from yesterday that Donald Trump tomorrow will be holding a press conference about the arraignment in Mar-a-Lago. The announcement coming on Trump Make America Great Again 2024 letterhead naturally. And it says Tuesday, April 4, 815 Eastern. That's tomorrow evening. President Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States, will deliver remarks at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida at 815. This is expected to be not only remarks, but a press conference. If there is a gag order and Donald Trump doesn't cancel that event, and he speaks about the case against him, he would be subject to rearrest. Now, I know people are saying 30 days in jail with Trump. It would probably be the thousand dollar fine. Let's be completely honest, but it would make him subject to rearrest. And in all seriousness, none of them were crying when they emailed me that I know of. But numerous lawyers wrote to me and said, this is really where Trump has to be careful. The next question mark, which I believe is of utter importance, is whether this arraignment will be televised. Tomorrow's arrest, surrender and arraignment of Donald Trump. Is of paramount public interest. This is a former president of the United States now indicted for crimes related to his candidacy in 2016. He is being prosecuted by the taxpayer funded legal system and is the epitome of a public figure, never mind just nationally, but globally. The arraignment should be televised. But will it be? We do not yet know. It is imperative that there be cameras in the courtroom tomorrow, not only for the reasons I just said, but also because, of course, Trump is going to lie about what happens in this proceeding. He will say the judge was so unfair and the prosecutors and everybody is just biased. And one of the only defenses we have against those lies is to actually have cameras showing what is going on. The New York Times Maggie Haberman appeared on uh, CNN and made the exact same argument. Let's take a listen. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, if there is a camera in the room, that's a remarkable moment in and of itself, but it could be important to actually get a clear view of what happened in that side that courtroom. A absolutely, and there, there is a compelling public interest argument to make. It is absolutely true that New York, New York is, is really regressive in terms of cameras in the courtroom. Um, I do expect there'll be an argument made. I'm not sure what, what the ruling will be on that, right. but it's interesting. I was thinking as you were asking that question, you know, one of the things we saw over and over, both with Michael Cohen in terms of Trump and then other people uh, in the White House, People have a habit of taping Donald Trump, and they have a habit of taping Donald Trump because he spins his own reality yep. and will contradict whatever people say about him. A camera would be pretty vital in terms of people understanding what happened and not being told that something is fake news. And in an era where Trump is saying that all of these reports are not true, I think there is a compelling argument for it. I, I am skeptical that it will happen. Just I, 
covered courts in this state. Uh, I know how against cameras in the courtroom yeah. judges are here, um, but I do think there is going to be a compelling argument made. And even toggling to the actual trial itself, imagine, right, what the public interest in right. that will be. Yeah. And so will there be cameras allowed to depict what occurs on the day-to-day? Because -day? I think certainly people would want to know. That's right. Yeah. I don't know whether there will be cameras in the courtroom tomorrow. I sympathize with the skepticism from Maggie Haberman, because indeed, oftentimes there's questions. Why weren't there cameras in the courtroom? And sometimes it has to do with, well, it's a federal court rather than a state court. And there are different procedures there. New York State also notoriously strict about having cameras in the courtroom. I can't think of any legal issue, any legal proceeding where cameras in the courtroom are more justified than the indictment of a former president of the United States. So by tomorrow, we will probably know more two live streams tomorrow, the arraignment in the afternoon and the press conference at Mar-a-Lago. If it's not canceled based on a potentially forthcoming gag order, it is going to be a crazy 24, 36 hours. I'm glad to have you with us. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. One of our continued sponsors is Ground News, an app and website that aggregates local and international news sources to show you how breaking news is being reported around the world. It has become a go to resource for me right now. I'm looking at a story about residents in Ohio reporting medical symptoms after the train derailment. Ground News shows the headline from The Washington Post owned by Jeff Bezos says East Palestine residents should look to Agent Orange victims. The headline from the Epic Times, a radical right wing outlet, says federal officials enter 500 East Palestine homes after toxic train crash. I also like that you can sort things by factuality, location and bias. Check out Ground News for free at ground.news slash Pacman. If you find Ground News as useful as I do, subscribe for unlimited access. That's ground.news slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Remember that the David Pacman show is an audience supported program. Thank you to the stunning number of new members over the last week as we have dealt with an angry right wing mob coming after me, but they haven't succeeded. And part of the reason is thanks to you and the folks who have signed up at joinpacman.com. Keep it going, my friends. You can use the coupon code indicted to save on a membership at joinpacman.com. We all know who and what we're talking about when we type that code in indicted. Use it at joinpacman.com. You'll get the daily bonus show and so much more. Let's take a look at the downward spiral of the children of Trump. Over the last few days since we learned of the Trump indictment, we are not going to be talking about Ivanka here. 
Ivanka just put out kind of a very short statement on Instagram saying she's heard from people all over the political spectrum concerned about what's going on. Very, very, very vague. Um, Ivanka does seem to be wanting to stay far from politics after the disaster of her fir- first four years of involvement in politics. We then go to Donald Trump Jr., who now has a show on Rumble and the downward spiral really continues. It's, it's actually kind of getting sad. And listen, I'm sure it is very difficult for your father to be indicted. I'm sure it is. Also, it's not you know, we know that Trump doesn't seem necessarily to be the biggest fan of his adult male children, uh, but that's another story. Anyway, here is Don Jr. just dissembling. This is clearly an attempt to intimidate a journalist. And yet the rest of journalism, the rest of the media, strangely silent guys. Listen, Maybe coincidence has happened, but not anymore in 2023. <laughs> I don't believe in this much coincidence. And if you've been watching literally anything for like the last six years, you shouldn't either. The fact that the IRS showed up at Matt Taibbi's house on the same day that he testified before Congress and their new committee investigating the weaponization of the federal government is a little bit beyond ironic or <laughs> suspicious. It's absolutely insane. Okay, Matt Taibbi's opening statement on the Twitter files. Twitter, Facebook, Google, and other companies developed a formal system for taking in moderation requests from every corner of government. FBI, DHS, HHS, DOD, the Global Engagement Center, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's his opening line. And we think that it's a coincidence that the IRS knocks on his door that day. All right. So what this all has to do with Donald Trump is unclear. Why Junior's eyes are almost completely swollen shut. We don't know. That seems to be similar to his own dad. And here is Donald Trump Jr. during his rumble show, um, really just furious about this entire thing. I was proven even more right than I would have ever imagined. Because Is that even possible? Then nobody's been more right than Don Jr. about everything, I guess. Apparently, you know, Soros back Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. OK, and again, I don't know why he says Soros backed, but if he means George Soros backed, we've looked at this in detail. Remember, George Soros funds hundreds of programs. One of the programs George Soros funds is a pack that helps to get DA's elected. One of the DA's that was helped by that pack is Alvin Bragg. There has never been any contact between Alvin Alvin Bragg and George Soros. There has never been any communication one way or the other about a Trump investigation. That's the connection that they're talking about. They, they want you to think Soros is calling Alvin Bragg and saying indict Trump is actually indicting my father. So let's be clear, folks. Yeah, this is like communist level. (laughs) This is stuff that would make Mao, Stalin, uh, Pol Pot. It would make them blush. It's so flagrant. It's so crazed when even like the radical leftists of the Washington Post are out there saying it's not really based on facts. It's not really based on the law. It's not really based in reality, (laughs) but it's 100 percent based on politics. When your enemies are saying that, It's got to tell you everything you need to know right now about where we are as a country. Yeah, where we are is it turns out 
that the one man crime spree that was Donald Trump isn't above the law just because he was president. That's what it tells us. And that is a good thing. Going now from Don Jr. to Eric Trump, Eric Trump pulled one of these tears in my eyes type stories. He went on Fox and Friends yesterday morning and he says when news of the indictment broke, he was on a plane and that everyone in the plane came up to him to hug him. <laughs> and as always, it's like, do we believe these stories, guys? Justice. And, and guys, I have to tell you, people in this country understand it. I was on a plane. I was on a commercial flight when, when this whole indictment broke. People are coming up to me, giving me hugs. The support is unbelievable out there because people understand that we've literally become a banana republic. We're now literally a banana republic. Maybe he means figuratively. They've they've made a mockery out of our our legal system in this country. Yeah. So I'm sure that that happened. And, you know, a lot of them were really big, strong guys. Some of them were crying and they said to the flight attendant, bring this man more peanuts because of how unfairly his family has been treated. And then next thing you know, the pilot came out of the cockpit, saluted Eric Trump, and they all did the Pledge of Allegiance. And it was just an incredible, incredible day. Uh, I don't believe any of it, obviously. Then uh, during the same appearance, he tries to say something about free speech and it goes very, very wrong. Yeah. Rachel, we're supposed to live in a free country. You're supposed to have freedom of speech, right? It's just the number one thing that makes up our Constitution, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Yet you have conservatives all over the country who are getting deplatformed. Their businesses are getting shut down. Who is that? Who is he talking about? Banks stop banking them. Their, Their web service providers decide to turn them, turn them away. It is true that web hosts, when they find out that they're hosting extremist content, sometimes will say we're not hosting this nonsense anymore. That is true. But they want to pretend as though the indictment of Trump proving or proving suggesting that even presidents aren't above the law is somehow an attack on everybody. And as a follow up to the Eric Trump thing from last week, remember how last week I played this clip for you where he relates CVS and Kylenol, not Tylenol, Kylenol, somehow to this indictment. Remember this clip? It is every single day. And this is a city I spent a lot of time in Europe that is falling apart. I went into literally CVS the other day and you can't buy Tylenol because <laughs> it's locked behind these glass counters because there's so much theft and there's so much looting. There's so yeah. So he wasn't able to get Kylenol at CVS. He then went on Newsmax and told a totally different version of the story where he says you actually it's it's Advil. You can't get it. Dwayne Reed. Now, people in other parts of the country may not know Dwayne Reed. Dwayne Reed is like a more local um, CVS. It's it's similar and they sell other things as well. So wait a second. Are you telling me that you first went to CVS and they had no Kylenol without a key and then you went to Dwayne Reed and, the, and you couldn't get Advil or was it just the entire thing was made up in New York City? Homelessness is, is, is through the roof. I went to Dwayne Reed the other day. Did you? And literally you can't buy Advil in Dwayne Reed yeah. without having somebody come up with a key and unlock, you know, those little plastic things that you pick up. Yep. Because there's so much looting in the city. I mean, the city is going to hell right now. You look nationally, just about every every Walgreens, CVS, Dwayne Reed. They're all locking up all of this stuff. As I said last week, my hair product is regularly locked up now. I mean, it's in very high demand ever since I started using it. But um, my girlfriend's uh, uh, deodorant is locked up. Something I got for my baby daughter was locked up. I don't remember what it was. 
might have been like baby Zyrtec was locked up. This has nothing to do with not prosecuting or prosecuting Trump and whether it's Kylenol or Bilenol or whatever it is. I don't believe a word this guy says, but he is not doing well, clearly. And I get it to some degree to see my dad indicted and then begging for money, even though he's supposedly a billionaire. It would probably upset upset me as well. And that's what I want to talk about next. Donald Trump is a billionaire, I guess. And he is begging for money in a dark room with terrible lighting, looking as dark orange as we have ever seen this guy. Donald Trump on the eve of his arraignment and arrest and surrender and fingerprinting and mugshot recorded a video in a very dark room where he is issuing another plea for cash. He says he needs you to contribute. Now, I have to say, it's not really clear what you're contributing to. Are you contributing to Trump's campaign? Are you contributing to Trump's legal defense fund? What is he asking you for money for doing the darkest we have seen Trump literally and figuratively? If you're doing well, because all of the things that I've done have brought you wealth and prosperity, Mm -hmm. or at least you're extremely comfortable, It would be really great if you could contribute to our campaign. You know how to do it. Ah, so it's a campaign contribution he wants. No president in the history of our country has been subjected to such vicious and disgusting attacks. Really? But they only attack me because I fight for you. It's very simple. They can't buy me and they can't control me. And that scares them beyond belief. Mm. Doesn't really make sense when you look at the polling, but okay. Since the very beginning, I've shunned the globalist special interest donors who have Uh made a fortune off of destroying our country. Instead, our presidential campaign has always been funded by grassroots patriots like you. Your contribution today will show the left that nothing can destroy the greatest political movement in history. Yeah. So there are people donating to Trump. We, We looked at some of that fundraising data and indeed Trump raised a pretty penny after the indictment was announced. But isn't he a billionaire? Like what? Why does Trump need to raise money? Why does a multi-billionaire need people's money? It doesn't really make sense unless you understand that Trump sees his followers as marks in an ongoing con. Now, the fact that Trump is raising money off of this doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or bad for Trump, as I've said before. It does seem that Trump's followers are being energized by the indictment. And indeed, the indictment might help Trump in the 2024 Republican primary. I don't see how the indictment gets Trump even a single vote in a general election. The very same chaotic surroundings that followed Trump everywhere, which hurt him in 2020, are uh, going to hurt him in 2024. And an indictment is absolutely chaotic. Now, Trump is trying to fundraise off of this. There's a good, nice, concise CNBC article. Trump campaign uses newly restored Facebook page to fundraise off of the indictment. They have the official election defense fund with a thousand dollar match, which, of course, we never know if it's real or if it's not. The copy was as follows. The radical left the enemy of the hardworking men and women of this country have indicted me in a disgusting witch hunt. 
Please make a contribution of $47 or more by 11:59 p.m. to help defend our movement from the never-ending witch hunts during these dark times and we'll send you your very own I stand with President Trump t-shirt for free which as we know that could become a collectible item. Uh, I I wish I had stocked up on the Trump knives by the way before he was indicted. I'm sure they've just skyrocketed in ba- in value. So realistically uh, the grift simply continues. This has been a grift for a very long time. And it's not going to stop when the with the indictment. It wouldn't it, if Trump somehow ended up in jail, which is not going to happen. I think the grift would continue from there. And we are going to be watching the next 48 hours very, very closely. Is there a gag order? Does the fundraising continue? Do Trump's protesters actually come out and seem even remotely interested in defending him? Or is it just a couple dozen people at Mar-a-Lago? All of it will be live on our YouTube, Twitch and Facebook, and it is going to be quite a couple of days. As many of my viewers and listeners, of course, know, I have many family members who work in the field of mental health, and I think one of the most important things that we can do is to both increase access and reduce stigma when it comes to mental health services. And that's why I am thrilled that one of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists, an important word, therapists, who can help you with a wide range of issues. You answer a few questions about your needs and your preferences, and BetterHelp will match you with a therapist that meets your needs. You can then talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable. Could be text, could be chat, phone, video call. You can message your therapist anytime. You can schedule live sessions when it's convenient. And if your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in office therapy, but it's on your schedule and it's at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Pacman. That's betterhelp.com slash Pacman for 10% off your first month. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene on 60 Minutes. Dozens of you wrote to me. As many people wrote to me as the number that protested for Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Dozens, dozens of you wrote to me and said, David, What is your take about 60 Minutes interviewing Marjorie Taylor Greene? They are platforming a lunatic. They are pretending as though they're normalizing the idea of Marjorie Taylor Greene as someone who should be in government. It's just a matter of do we agree about her views rather than making her out to be the dangerous extremist who has no business in a position of power. I tweeted yesterday, I understand the concerns and I want to see the interview first. And the reason I said I want to see the interview first is I've long advocated for something called responsible platforming. And by responsible platforming, I mean. It's not about who you interview, it's how you interview them. And so, for example, when I have someone on the show who is explaining uh, nuclear fission to us as a subject matter expert, I handle that interview differently than when I interviewed interviewed, for example, a white nationalist neo-Nazi Richard Spencer. If I'm going to have Richard Spencer on, I need to be prepared to make sure that my audience understands his extremist ideas are dangerous, that they're bogus and so on and so forth. I think people get this. The point is the interview's appropriateness is evaluated based on how the interview is handled. And 
it wasn't handled the best by Leslie Stahl, but it wasn't the end of the world. Overall, I don't like that. I think the interview did normalize Marjorie Taylor Greene to a degree. That's where I come down. It wasn't it wasn't overall a, a, a softball interview, but there were moments that weren't so good. Let's look at just a couple of moments. Here's one question about whether Marjorie Taylor Greene has deliberately styled herself after Donald Trump. How much have you styled yourself? And why don't we have audio here? I'm not sure who is. Ah, we do have audio. My headphone has become unplugged. Let me plug that back in. Beautiful. All right, let's take it from the top. How much have you styled yourself after Donald Trump? Hmm. People say. And by the way, this look from Marjorie Taylor Greene, one thing I want to say and I won't harp on it is Greene's attitude. The entire interview was sort of of like, this isn't a serious show. Leslie Stahl isn't serious and I'm above this. This is just me placating the fake news. And it was pretty disgusting. But let's not harp on that. That you are Trump in high heels. I didn't intentionally style myself after President Trump, but I can see how people draw those similarities. We both come from the same industry, construction. <laughs> um, I also have pretty much a plain speaking style, yeah. and, and so does he. Okay, so a little bit fluffy, a little bit fluffy. One of the better moments was when Leslie Stahl was prepared with fact checks and tweets and everything to question Marjorie Taylor Greene about things she had previously said, including that the Parkland shooting was a false flag and other things. Marjorie Taylor Greene basically just denies it. But I do think this was one of the stronger parts of the interview. Let's take a look. Shortly after she arrived in Washington, the Democratic led House ousted her from her committees because of her past endorsement of violence against some Democratic leaders and her history of embracing QAnon that she explained in a speech on the House floor. I stumbled across something, and this was at the end of 2017, called QAnon. I was allowed to believe things that weren't true, and that is absolutely what I regret. Well, I apologize to my colleagues. I think apologies are important. Okay, did you ever apologize to Nancy Pelosi about the bullet to her head? I didn't say that, so I don't need to apologize for words that weren't mine. Didn't you like it? Other people also ran my social media. So now it's like, listen, the party of personal responsibility, that was other people. Well, if other people liked something about Nancy Pelosi needs a bullet to the head and you don't agree with it, shouldn't you loudly denounce the sentiment? Oh, no, other people run my social media. I don't think I did that. Are you saying that you don't stand by what's on your social media? Well, of course I stand for what's on my social media, but at times not you're not always in control. We have all kinds of people that work on our. So it's not your fault. Oh, okay, got it. Well, great responsibility, huh? Social media. Did you apologize for your position on Parkland, Florida? What was my position on Parkland, Florida? That it was a false flag. I don't know if you actually have my position. No, I never said Parkland was a false flag. Okay, so there's a post. It's called a payoff to keep his mouth shut since it was a false flag planned shooting to which Marjorie Taylor Greene responded exactly. Hmm. Oh, I've never said that. School shootings are horrible. I don't think it's anything to joke about. We fact checked before I got to this interview. Have you fact checked all my statements from kindergarten through 12th grade? And- okay, that's called a red herring, not not at issue. She's denying having said things that are on the record. In college, and as I've paid my taxes and never broken a law, and the only I got a few speeding tickets. Do we need to? 
it, remember, it doesn't have anything to do with breaking the law. It's she's denying having said things that she said. This is how you try to distract. Talk about those two, because I think where you're going down is the same attacks that people have attacked me with over and over and over. She means holding me accountable for things I've said. Well, if this is what you're known for, I think it's good that you're responding to the charges. I think it's I think I think it's a legitimate thing people for us to constantly do. focus on it, but never focus on anything good about me. There is nothing good. That's the problem. I mean, this it's a sad thing, but she's done nothing good since coming to Congress. She's only had this path of destruction where she harasses the victims of school shootings, spreads conspiracy theories, spreads medical disinformation. And then she's never held accountable for it. So this is an attempt to ask her about the things she's done, which are basically saying horrible things. Button this up and we'll move on. You want to bring the Republican Party closer to your views. You want to bring the country closer to your views. You've said that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, here are some of the things you've said um, that America should have a Christian government, that abortion should be uh, Banned nationally, that you want to defund the FBI? Yes. Uh, you want immigration to stop for four years. You've said those things, correct? Oh yeah, these are these are some of my views. The Constitution, the very First Amendment, prohibits having a, a religion in the government. Yet the founding fathers quoted the Bible constantly and were driven by their faith. Taylor That's a total cop out, by the way. As a fervent supporter of the now indicted Donald Trump, she was a featured speaker at his rally in Waco last weekend. While she's adored here, the latest national poll has her approval rating at just 29%. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, you happen to be here. Would you like to run for the Senate? No, we'll fight like hell for you, I tell you. The question for her and the country is, can she expand her brash MTG brand beyond the right-wing populist base? I believe the answer is obviously not. So listen, some fact-checking there, certainly. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a narcissist, much like Trump, and so you never really get her. Because no matter how you push her, eventually she'll say she's being misquoted or you don't understand or she's actually correct or whatever the case may be. One other moment I do want to show you from this interview, and I would I would watch the whole thing if you you know really want to understand the full scope of it. She said, actually, the government, the U.S. government really isn't worthy of much respect and deserves to be attacked. But also is often in attack mode mm. and you appear to be. Yeah, I think, but I think our government deserves it. They don't really deserve to be respected that much. Right. And of course, the government that doesn't deserve much respect and deserves to be attacked is the one that she works in and makes $175,000 a year for doing and is paid through the taxpayer uh, funded salaries of everyone that is in her position. But it's an it's an entity that should be attacked and blah, 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 blah. so overall, this interview was an atrocity. It was more an atrocity because of the things that Marjorie Taylor Greene said. I don't think that there's some of you came away from this saying this was a total puff piece and it's horrible what Leslie Stahl did.
Others came away saying it's amazing how Marjorie Taylor Greene was held accountable by by Leslie Stahl. I think that there were some really good attempts to hold her accountable. She's really slippery, like Trump is slippery. And her base is not going to think twice about supporting her based on this interview. We all understand it for what it is. So I don't know that damage was done, but I don't know. Let me put it this way. I don't know that damage was done to Marjorie Taylor Greene's reputation, and I don't know that the interview was too damaging to 60 minutes. My preference would have been not to have her on there at all after seeing this interview. I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Another player is entering the 2024 Republican primary. It's former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who will be running against Donald Trump, Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. He announced this when speaking to uh, Jonathan Carl from ABC, uh, not exactly making huge headlines, understandably, but let's take a listen. When I spoke to you earlier this year, you said you were thinking about running for president. Have you made a decision? Are you running? I have made a decision, and my decision is I'm going to run for president of the United States. Wow. While the formal announcement will be later in April in Bentonville, uh, I wanted to make that'll be a real party clear that to you, Jonathan, I am going to be running. And the reason uh, as I've traveled the country for six months, I hear people talk about the leadership of our country. And I'm convinced that people want leaders that appeal to the best of America and not simply appeal to our worst instincts. I always find it funny when they say they've traveled the country. And I know it's sort of like you have to do it and you have to say it. But do you really need to travel the country to figure out a lot of these things? It's always a weird thing to hear. And that inspires me when I see everyday Americans just saying, give us good leadership, give us common sense, consistent conservatism and optimism about our great country. Yeah. And uh, that inspires me. And I believe I can be that kind of leader for the people of America. All right. So he has absolutely no shot, but it is interesting to see more people enter. Uh, If I were a betting man and I'm not, my guess is Asa Hutchinson doesn't even make it past the first Republican primary. Now, that being said, more candidates generally does seem to be better for Donald Trump. The more people there are running the Republican primary, what we see in the polling is that it helps Trump versus DeSantis. We have some new ish polls. Uh, I'm trying to look at ones that are actually sort of like well, well rated. Uh, There's a Trafalgar Group poll, which is a right leaning poll. It's a multi way poll. It has Trump over DeSantis by 34 with Liz Cheney, who doesn't seem to have any plan to run at 10 percent. Then we have an insider advantage poll. That's a B rated poll. Trump over DeSantis by 33. And then we have a B plus rated YouGov poll. In this poll, Trump does better with more candidates. This isn't surprising. This is what we've seen when it is just Trump versus DeSantis. Trump leads by 26. And when it is Trump versus a whole bunch of people, Trump leads by 31. And we could go further, but this is sort of where we are right now. So interesting. Uh, that Asa Hutchinson is running. I truly wonder you know, when when people like this run. Are they sitting in a room where someone is telling them you've got a shot at winning because they obviously don't? Or is it that they're sitting in a room and advisors say you don't have a shot, but this might raise your public profile. You might get yourself on a debate stage and then you can parlay that into being 
a contributor to Fox News or something like what is actually in their minds when they decide to run? What do they think versus what is the reality of what can come from it? And what is the basis on which they're making these these decisions? It's an interesting thing. We now have a four way race in the Republican primary with one of those four candidates under indictment. And we're going to very closely follow the direction that this goes. Don't forget that the best way to support the David Pakman show is by becoming a member, which gives you access to the daily bonus show, the regular show with no commercials. You also get access to our entire archive of every episode dating back a really long time and plenty of other awesome membership perks. Go to joinpacman.com. Joinpacman.com. Anytime there is a massive news story as monumental as the arrest of a former president of the United States, you have your main story and then you have uh, sort of subsidiary stories and then you have secondarily subsidiary stories. One of those secondarily subsidiary stories that has caught the eye and ear of many of you is what is going on with attorney Alan Dershowitz and Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen. Now, to give you the background on this, Michael Cohen, friend of the show, good guy. He used to be Trump's fixer. He was directly involved in the Stormy Daniels hush money payments. He served prison time for his involvement in those crimes, which now Trump is is being indicted for. And Alan Dershowitz is a historically left wing lawyer who has really started to become a darling of the right, regularly appearing on Fox News and Newsmax and Steve Bannon's show as a defender of Trump legally. And Dershowitz is always quick to say, listen, I voted against Trump and I look forward to voting against him again. But this is so unfair and that's so unfair and he's being treated so unfairly. The new thing and this is this is just fit, unbelievable stuff. Dershowitz says he's going to sue Michael Cohen. OK, this started last week with Dershowitz on Fox News. I'm going to take you through the entire story. Dershowitz on Fox News said Michael Cohen tweeted that I was involved with underage girls on Jeffrey Epstein's island. And now Michael Cohen's going to be in trouble. So this is the start of the story. Here's Dershowitz on Fox. Reaching together two inapplicable statutes and using Michael Cohen. Let me tell you something about Michael Cohen. He's not through with his problems. He just tweeted about me saying because I had attacked his credibility that I was involved with underage girls on Epstein's island. I'm about to sue him now for defamation. As you know, the woman who falsely accused me, acknowledged that she may have made a mistake in misidentifying me. And I would normally not sue somebody for. I'm just going to sue. Usually I wouldn't, but I'm going to sue. Writing that kind of nonsense. But this is Michael Cohn, who's about to try to prevent Donald Trump from running for president of the United States. <laughs> and I'm going to single handedly sue him for defamation, not let him get away with that. And when I sue him, I will be able to prove his repeated lies because he can't refused to testify in a civil case. So his problems are just beginning. I'm going to make it a little easier for Joe Jacopino to 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 uh, did he say Joe Jacopina uh, uh, cross examine him. Although, as I've said before, any first year student could win this case if the name wasn't Donald Trump and if it wasn't in Manhattan. This case has to get out of Manhattan. All right. So there is Dershowitz saying he will be suing Michael Cohen. Then he appears on Alex Jones show. And again, when we talk about the downfall of Alan Dershowitz in a time past, Dershowitz would never even consider appearing 
on the program of someone like propagandist Alex Jones. It would just be out. What? No, of course, I'm not appearing on Alex Jones show. But here is Dershowitz almost pretending like it's a normal show, saying he is indeed suing Michael Cohen. Start over. You're going to sue Michael Cohen. Now, that's big news. Yeah, Please tell I'm us. For defamation. And then the question that if he takes the witness stand, he'll be asked, you say you started telling the truth, but you just lied about Alan Dershowitz. You know he wasn't on Epstein's Island. You know he's never had sex with an underage girl. You just got mad at him because he called you a liar. So you made up a story about him. So you're still lying, right? How is he going to get around that? <laughs> yeah. So Dershowitz very soon will be really inconveniencing Michael Cohen, I guess. And then again, later, continuing to follow the thread of this story, Dershowitz finishing the rounds by appearing on Steve Bannon's program on Real America's Voice. And he says, you know, after I threatened to sue Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen texted me and said, I'll take the tweet down. But Dershowitz doesn't care. He's still going to sue if he apologized or took it down or w would you back off that? Or are you going to go after him hard on this? Well, let me read you the email he just sent to me, uh, Alan. As you know, from our conversation on my podcast, I have and has always had had tremendous respect and admiration for you as a constitutional mm -hmm. lawyer and scholar. If you were angered at my tweet, why not just have called me and expressed that to me? I am happy to remove the tweet. I am happy to remove the tweet. But similarly, I ask that you treat me with the same respect that I treat you. Feel free to call me at any time. Well, he's willing to remove the tweet. That's not enough. <laughs> you know, when, when you throw a skunk into the jury room, you can take the skunk out, but the smell still remains. He accused me of associating with a pedophile on an island with young people. It's just a total and complete and categorical lie. Well, now, see, now I'm confused. I my understanding was that Dershowitz was saying is it's true. He did associate with Epstein, but he simply never did anything specific involving underage girls. Now, in any case, my prediction other than Alan Dershowitz never recovers his reputation. My prediction is that Alan Dershowitz doesn't sue because if he were to sue Michael Cohen for defamation, whatever the outcome would be, Dershowitz would be subject to discovery and examination. And even if it's true that Dershowitz was never involved with young whatever, you know, I don't think Alan Dershowitz at this point wants to have to answer questions under oath about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. So call me crazy. I don't expect Dershowitz to sue. I could be wrong. I'm terrible at predictions. We will follow it and we will see. Ladies and gentlemen, my April Fool's joke was an overwhelming success and also backfired very, very badly. On Saturday, April 1st, I put out a video called I'm leaving YouTube. The mob won. The show is over. That video, as of this recording, has more than half a million views. Overwhelmingly, people understood that it's a joke. And part of the reason you could tell it was a joke is in the video, I say that the right wing mob took everything that our toilets aren't even flushing at the studio and that I'm having to flush 10 to 15 times. Now, that's a reference to Trump's obsession with toilets. The entire thing was a joke. But one of the things that is a re it, this is sort of a math thing. OK, and I, I, I realize this. If 500,000 people see the video 
and 99.9% realize it's a joke. If 0.1% don't realize it's a joke, that's still 500 people who think I'm being serious. And of those 500 people, half might email me. Now, I think in reality, the numbers are more like 99.5% of the audience realized it was a joke, but about half of 1% didn't. When these are the numbers, that's thousands of people. And I received hundreds of emails saying, David, I'm so sorry that this is happening. I can't believe it. Uh, Brian Tyler Cohen, fellow YouTuber, texted me and said, hey, people are contacting me saying you've got to help David Pakman. He needs help. They're taking his show. Can you get him a lawyer? Can you help him? Um, I heard from actors and politicians that I didn't even know had any idea who I was saying, David, I'm really upset. Can I can I get you an agent? Can I get you? How can I help you get the show back? And I explained to everybody it's just an April Fool's joke, but it is really something else. A couple of the uh, messages that I got um, here is one this this I really found this one funny. Jill commented, my husband called out to me while I was in another room. Pacman is ending the show. The anti woke mob won. And I called back. Today is April 1st. <laughs> I love this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm visualizing Jill's husband yelling from the other room, and Jill immediately knows what's going on and says it's April 1st. And then Jill, Jill's husband goes, Oh, and then goes right back to it. But Jill did say, I would have believed it if I saw the video first. I got a bunch of different voicemails about this. Here's one Hello, David. Please stick with it. Don't let them son of a bitches put you out of business. You're stronger than they are. I don't think they got God on their side when it gets down to it. Mm. Just keep up the good fight and help us out. Yep. Well, listen, we're okay. We're okay. I did get a second boy. I actually got hundreds of voicemails about this. I just picked two. Hey, David, this is Denise from Minnesota. I just want to tell you that we're with you, man. We're this is awful what's happening and I'd like to see you get back on. Anyway, if there's anything I can do to help, let us let us know. So listen, um, I appreciate the outpouring of support after the right wing mob did come after me. We are not canceled. In fact, March on YouTube was one of our best months in a long time. Thanks to the right wing mob, they generated such interest in what we are doing. And of course, the bad faith takes about what we did led to a backlash where we actually uh, I'm I'm so grateful to everybody is the point. Um, One other aspect to this, which I have to say has been so uplifting. Some people wrote to me and said, David, you know, I realized it was an April Fool's joke by the end of the video. But in the first 40, 50 seconds, I thought it was for real. And I was so upset that it made me realize how much I value what you do. I was taking it for granted. And then when you said that they won, that they canceled you, I became so upset that I realized I really should actually be supporting the show. If I was this upset at the prospect of the show being canceled, it made me realize I actually really value this and I should I should get a membership for a couple of bucks. And a couple dozen people wrote to me about that. So listen, if you were upset by the joke, it's just a joke. Okay, that's all it is. The show is here. We had a fantastic march. We are here. We've got so much going on. We're pushing into the primaries, the Trump indictment, the arraignment. 
all of it, the 2024 election. And I appreciate every single person in the audience, including everybody who has started new support over the last week. Let's keep going. Let's press forward. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. There is a very wealthy caller who doesn't like what I do and is going to try to get me removed from YouTube. Listen to this. Hey, punk ass kid. Hey, I'm going to call YouTube and tell them I'm going to back out my support for them if they don't take down every post on YouTube that you've made. Whoa. So don't be surprised Monday if there ain't none of your left on YouTube. Whoa. I'm a very wealthy man. I pay a lot of money to YouTube. You little broke piece of waste of sperm. Wow. Wow. Well, we are going to look into that very, very strongly. And uh, I do hope and pray that by the time you hear that voicemail, all of our videos haven't been removed from YouTube. All right. So we'll look into that very strongly. We have a fantastic bonus show for you today. We are now learning about the judge who is going to handle Donald Trump's arraignment tomorrow. The judge is considered no nonsense. We are going to talk about that. Number two, the Twitter blue check marks for verified individuals rather than people who just are signing up for Twitter blue. What is happening? There is major drama involving The New York Times. It's crazy what is going on with Twitter uh, verification, and it's the continued decline of Twitter, which we will discuss. And lastly, Brittany Griner is calling for the release of an American reporter detained in Russia, much like she previously was. It is all escalating. It is all building. And we are talking about all of it on the bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yeah. Everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Now, not only with an anti endorsement from Alex Jones, but with an anti endorsement from Candace Owens. David Pakman does not have a soul. He doesn't have a soul. Okay. If that anti endorsement makes you curious about the bonus show, then by all means, sign up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code indicted, but you have to spell it correctly. Trump spelled it indicated when he posted about being indicted. That won't work as a coupon code, but the correctly spelled indicted will save you big bucks at joinpacman.com. I will see you on the bonus show and then on tomorrow's show, then on the Trump arraignment live stream and then on the Trump press conference live stream. Much going on in the next 36 hours.